The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. Did you have it yet? Do you, I mean, can you, do you have a match? Can you, who has a lighter? We need a lighter. I'm sorry, we were... Look, it's, I mean, I think we just have to come out and say it, okay? A little house on the prairie uh, needs to be burned. It just needs to be burned. Um, you know, along with a lot of other books. Turns out that Laura from Little House on the Prairie is uh, xenophobic, racist, and a land grabber. Now, I'm not talking about Melissa Gilbert, the actress who played Laura on the TV show. No, she's okay. She's okay. She's a progressive. She's fine. I'm talking about the real-life Laura Ingalls Wilder. She's the dead author of the beloved series Little House on the Prairie that inspired the TV show. Now, last weekend, the American Library Association voted to strip Wilder's name from a children's book award that had uh, been given the name the Laura Ingalls Wilder Award for over 60 years. The association cited anti-native and anti-black sentiments in her work. As their reason for uh, Wilder's work includes expressions of stereotypical attitudes inconsistent with our core values of inclusiveness, integrity, and respect. Do you have it lit yet? Can you just light the fire, please? I mean, how hard is it? Just roll up some newspapers or something. Her uh, work contains a few lines that express the stereotypical attitudes that she's accused of. But uh, should a few lines dismiss her entire body of work? Yes, of course it should. And out of all literature, um, this is where we need to start. Little House on the Prairie. I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but we need to start getting rid of some of these these pages in some of these books uh they're offensive yes yes they were written at a time when things and people were different but really history doesn't matter anymore why why in our wildest dreams would we i'm just just put it in the fireplace (laughs) there's nothing better than a good book burning right she is i mean it's time for a cultural purge Let's work overtime on this. Can we please? What books what books do you have? What points of view should we purge next? I tell you what. If you have any symbols, crosses, uh bibles, of course. Any kind of flag, unless it's a rainbow flag, statues, we got to we got to get them. Can we get the can we get this hot enough to melt some of those statues? Can we get melt those and then we can make them into some sort of art that means nothing that would be really great so i thought we'd start today by joining in the progressive bandwagon sure it's arrogant to judge all people you know of the past based on the pristine standards of 2018 progressivism because they know what's right today and they'll never be wrong they never be wrong the people in the future are not going to look back at this time and say the progressives were wrong no they were right so what we need to do is burn all of the stuff that disagrees with them now <laughs> it would it be nice to be able to time travel and then just circle 
uh, Laura Ingalls, you know, in, in some sort of a mob circle and shame her? Sure, sure. But we don't have a time machine. Can't stop slave owner Thomas Jefferson from writing the Declaration of Independence, which, you know, which really reminds me. I don't know why we have the Declaration of Independence here anymore. You know, or the Bill of Rights. We should get rid of the Bill of Rights. And if we're not going to burn them, let's just at least use our moral scissors to re-edit history based on current values. But we have to look at them through the lens of victimhood. Doesn't it feel good to stand by this fire? Sure, some will say the saddest thing about progressivism is that, you know, it doesn't trust you at all. It doesn't trust that you can encounter difficult, controversial, or offensive things and deal with them on your own. No, 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 no. There is no grace in the progressive mindset. Not even for authors who have been dead for well over half a century and who lived in a completely different life in different contexts than our own. Yes, it's tragic. Grace is what we need. (laughs) Those religious freaks will tell you. But I'm telling you now, progressives have a right. A good mob and bonfire is always the thing to do. It's Tuesday, June 26th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. How are you today? so glad if books weren't meant to be burned they wouldn't have been flammable thank you Stu. Mm-hmm. thank you Ugh. you know i i think we're on the right track you know the coming insurrection well we deserve it we deserve it um because there are people that just need to be silenced and shamed and uh, surrounded and books to be burned and voices to silence. It's the way we have to do it. You hear about the, you know, you know the movie of Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and it's uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor?" That uh, yeah, documentary looks documentary. really interesting. Yeah. Well, does it? I thought. I thought well, it did. does it? Yeah, I thought. Well, he, does it? He's an interesting. Really, an interesting what? An interesting cisgender male. Is that what you're going to say? Then not exactly, yeah. but I was mm-hmm. going to say man. Well, I I don't know. I haven't seen it, and I can't recommend that anybody sees it until we have somebody who knows better than all of us tell us whether we should see it or not. It could be it could be filled with cisgender normatives. Well, it's his life, so it's going to be basically well, whatever choices he made. Would he be. he. Do we know if he made that choice or well, that his choice? His name is Mister Rogers, right? But was that forced on him by a society and the patriarchy? Exactly, Stu. You don't know. So why don't you just zip it? Pam Bondi was there, as you know, the um, attorney general of Florida. She left the theater and uh, they blocked her exit. They hurled insults at her. What would Mr. Rogers think about you? I don't know. He'd probably say, hi, neighbor. That's probably what he would say. I, 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 I don't know. Taking away health insurance from people with pre-existing conditions. Shame on you, Pan Bondi. You're a horrible person. Okay. Have you guys noticed what the theme of this movie is? I mean, have you... 
I mean, wasn't this guy all about not bullying people, practicing preach, uh, preaching uh, peace and understanding, tolerance, accepting people for being different? I think so. I maybe I missed. Maybe I. You know what? Those should be burned. Can we can we start the fire again, please? Because I I don't know why we put that out. Can we get any of this Mr. Rogers rhetoric of peace and love and understanding and tolerance of people that are different? Not all people. Certainly, thank you. Certainly not Pam Bondi. Stu, can you take the script over there? I brought it in. I I wasn't going to go see the movie, but I decided I was going to get the... I would read it just to see on my own. Thank you very much. I just need to get this into the fireplace would you be my neighbor no i won't be your neighbor okay you and your cisgender normative stances all right let me just blow the fire out (sighs) thank you um powerful lungs there well Mm. just saying let me ask you this is it okay to not burn a book if you throw it at a Republican. Um, are you going to hurt him or is he going to catch it? Oh, definitely hurt. And the, the intent uh, would can, be to hurt. Uh, but again, like, yeah. I don't like, I don't like a, an yeah, element of their immigration policy. So if it, you know, then it's okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If they're for immigration policy that isn't approved by the hierarchy. And I don't mean the hierarchy as in the patriarchy. I mean, the hierarchy of the new non-cisgender, the new non-cisgender normative. Okay. So there's, it's okay to have an, a normal. Oh, of course. Of course we have it to. It just has to be the opposite yeah, of what it's it It's like was. yesterday when we were talking about the people that were surrounding ICE. It was the, uh, it was the uh, anarchist planning community uh, or commission. So I, th- I, th- I thought that was the people that, Plan for the anarchists. Plan the anarchy. Yeah. The planarchy. Planarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the, they're the planarchists. <laughs> so, like that. <laughs> really organized anarchists. Yeah. Can I just, let me, you know, I just found something else. Can I just, sure. let me just, let me light the fire here again. And just, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I feel warm. I don't like to smell like smoke all day, but I don't know. There's something about the smoke of books that just... Seeing those words die is so it's so lovely. Yeah. So listen to this one. This got to go into the fire, okay? Because we can't teach this. Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting. Or being lied about, but don't deal in lies. Or being hated, but don't give way to hating. And yet, don't look too good, nor talk too wise. Hang on, I just turned the page. But I'll just rip it out and throw it into the fire here. <laughs> when I hear those words again. <laughs> or if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue. Or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. If all men count with you, but none too much. 
if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And what is more, you'll, you'll be a... I can't, I can't even say these words. Uh, trigger warning here. And what is more, you'll be a man, my son. No. Get rid of that. I apologize. Are you going to blow the fire out or are you just going to let it burn? Jeez, it's called safety. Ever see Smokey the Bear? Who, by the way, we have no idea if if it was a he or a she. We don't know what, what, that, what sex Smokey we just, is. We just projected that on him. Yep. What choices did he make? We don't even care. We don't even care to discover it because it might it might turn our little world upside down if it happen if he happened to be a transgendered tra- crossdresser. We just put a hat and a coat on him. <sighs> Wishing somebody a happy birthday on social media may seem innocent enough, but actually, the people who want your information can piece together information from various places to hack accounts, and once they have that, they could snatch the sensitive data like payment information. Social media is a great way to connect, but it's also important to think about what uh, what someone with malicious intentions can do with the information that you're sharing. There's so many threats in today's connected world, and it takes just one weak link, and it's all done. That's why the new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection has added the power of Norton Security to help protect you against the threats to your identity and to your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. And if you have a problem, their agents are going to work to fix it. Now, nobody can stop all cyber threats, prevent all identity theft, or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover the threats that you might otherwise miss. So go to LifeLock.com or call them at 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, and use the promo code BECK. You're going to get an extra 10% off your first year by using the promo code BECK at 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. There is something happening uh, in Iran that uh, I I hope we start to pay attention to as a nation. And I, I hope this president will act. I assume he will uh, in a much different fashion uh, than uh, President Obama did. The protesters are beginning to come out in Iran and you could be seeing the collapse of the Iranian regime. If we play our cards right, what President Trump did and how he has handled uh, Iran since he got into office could mean the end of the regime. Right now, people are um, uh, underway in a march at the bazaar in Tehran, um, and they are uh, they are chanting "Free Iran." They are uh, chanting uh, down with the dictators. That's they're calling their own people dictators. Um, Close your stalls. Leave Syria alone. Think of us instead. Uh, They are now uh, calling for a major strike. They are also uh, protesting and, and saying death to the dictator, death to the dictator and death to Palestine. Not Israel, not America, death to Palestine. If if Iran falls, 
It completely changes our world. It is remarkable. And if this president plays his cards right, and we support, uh, as President Reagan did uh, in uh, with the Berlin Wall, this president may have been elected just for what's happening in the Middle East. That may have been divine providence just for what is happening in the Middle East. I mean, with him turning around on the Iran deal uh, and supporting Israel the way he did, and then choking off the funds, their currency is in a free fall. Their currency has lost 50% of its value since January. People are starting to be very hungry. And, you know, with this big, you know, march for the Mahdi uh, going across and sweeping, you know, into Syria, the, the people have had enough. The currency is now actually uh, valued less than it was at the time of the Islamic Revolution in 1979. Holy cow. When that happened, it was 42,000 to one real to dollar. Um, and then uh, it went, now it is at 70,000 to one. And it keeps increasing, you know, so that's, uh, I mean, for, for the regime, not good. But that's uh, what George Bush was trying to do to him. Mm-hmm. And um, and then um, Obama came in and gave him all the cash and, and reversed all of that. And uh, Donald Trump, thank God, reversed all that. And now their currency is collapsing and they're being squeezed on all sides. And the people are starting to rise up and they're not rising up against us. I think the Iranians uh, will be very good friends if if this revolution is supported uh, and if we, um, if it ends up in their hands, in the people's hands, because the people you know, Iran was a very different place. Iran's very well educated. Iran was, uh, very Westernized for a long time. And, you know, they just wanted to get rid of the Shah and they said, burn the whole system down. And there were some radicals that were willing to do it. And here's what happened. Yeah, the, the the people were not for the 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 Islamic State of Iran. It was just the few radicals that promised a revolution and a free people that uh, that brought that to be. The people have not wanted this. That's not who they are. And what would the results been if not for Ben Affleck uh, going in there, pulling those people out? I don't. I mean, they, they almost definitely would have died in yeah. Iran. Uh, no, it's, it's a, based on a true story. Uh, what would have happened <laughs> to, sure. I mean, what we could have lost Batman versus Superman oh or my whatever. Do not go down happened. that road. That Don't happened. go down that road. People would have lost that entire experience if if, if the Iranian revolution uh, continued and Ben Affleck did not step in. Can I tell you something? You've made me reconsider whether or not a revolution <laughs> is a good thing. Losing Bad. Batman and Superman movie. I am, boy, we're uh, slavery for an entire country. Uh, it's borderline. Have I you would... seen Superman and Batman? Oh, why, why can I just, can, may I have sidebar? What the hell is wrong with DC Comics? What is wrong with them? Why would you do that? How many times do you need to reset the story of Batman? You had it. You had it. 
Nolan did a great job. Leave that alone and build on that. Oh, gosh. Ben Affleck. Oh. Okay, you know what? There's there's a um, few things that are disappearing uh, that uh, I sure, sure would love your help on. Um, I learned this from the Smithsonian. They said, uh, I, I went and they, they opened up this big drawer uh, and uh, it was in their, you know, their their room of politics where they had shown me, you know, the, the banners and the flags to get uh, Thomas Jefferson elected and everything else. And they pull open the drawer and they say, you're like this. And they pull open a drawer and it's all the stuff collected from you from our rallies. And I looked at that and I said, well, what is what is this? He said, it's all all the stuff that you did with the rallies. And I said, you're collecting it? And he said, uh, well, yeah. He said, we're not sure it'll ever go on display or be worth anything. He said, but we found that it's easier to grab things from history early and hold on to them than it is to go back and try to find them and buy them later. It's kind of a thing that they, you know, they have an advantage on. I think that there are some things that are going to disappear uh, from history. Uh, and it's it's already happening in North Korea. North Korea is getting rid of all of its anti-American propaganda posters. And that is a staple in North Korea. Uh, so, you know, if you happen to be in North Korea, can you send some of those? Um, but what I'm really looking for are any of the flyers any of the posters, anything are, that are handouts uh, that are uh, calling for, you know, revolution or mob justice or anything that marks today's political climate. If you have a chance to grab those, please do and send them to me here at the studios at uh, Las Colinas in Dallas, Texas, uh, because uh uh, we need to uh, we need to collect all of the things that are that's going on today uh, because it's it's remarkable. If you have anything that you're getting from your kids' schools that are showing how you know these these postmodernist rules are starting to come in, please send them. By the way, Stu, you know we talked about uh, Starbucks closing 150 stores. Yeah, yeah, nationwide. And I wondered if it had anything to do with, you know, their their recent debacle. Uh, no, it, 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 no, it actually they're closing 150 stores. Uh, the bulk of them are being closed in large cities that are offering now or demanding a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage. And they're moving to cities that don't have that required. Huh. Isn't that amazing? What? That yeah. is very surprising. Yeah. Yeah, because they're a very progressive company. Glenn. No, I know that, uh, and they are embracing the mm-hmm. important uh, new guidelines on how to operate mm-hmm. in our society. Mm-hmm. Uh, except they're they're moving out of the because I think they would want to support the movement. Mm-hmm. These are people looking for a a living wage here. Mm-hmm. That's all they're looking for, and that's uh, and that's the sort of treatment they get. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Um, I, I there's some other bias I wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. I, I want to get your opinion on this because it's it's important. Now we we've seen these stories before about bias in colleges, usually by some right wing extremist group mm-hmm. who says, you know what? I think their the affirmative action's the wrong thing. Pe- there are people out there that believe this, Glenn. There are people out there that believe you should not 
have people admitted into college based on their skin color. Wow. There are some people wow. who think you should judge them wow. by like some antiquated standard of the content of their character mm. rather than the color of their skin. Mm. And that is wow. Well, I tell you, you know, the 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 racist that we you know, we all know. We all know the African American is racist. Um uh, but nobody has said it, but we all know that, of course. Um you know, because they've just come out uh, with a new poll. I think it was a Pew poll that shows that African-Americans um, want the people crossing the border sent back home. Send back them? Send back them, as the president of Mexico said once. Mm-hmm. Send back them. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is very weird. Yeah. They're- or or mm-hmm. not. Maybe they're not racist. They just are just like all the other, you know, Americans of other colors that are just like, no, this is wrong. And uh, it's not good for us to just have open borders. Well, it's good policy. I'm glad they're, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're saying that. However, we can't give them that, of course. And luckily, uh, the uh, we've now reversed the policy, the controversial policy. And it's now we're, we're straight back to catch and release now as of this morning. In case you were wondering about how that was turning out, uh, the media pressure has now turned the administration all the way back to catch and release. So hopefully they can get something done in Congress because now it seems to be the only way that that's going to occur. Uh, any border uh, tougher border uh, policies because we are back to uh, catch and, and release as of this morning. Huh. That's been a new policy change in case you missed but that, it. He was just saying like yesterday that he thought we should be even tougher. Yep. Uh, ICE uh, has, uh, they don't have enough space, and uh, surely that has nothing to do with the media pressure. It's just a spatial, there's just not enough no, they, space they, out there. They Even had they had double, more than double with yeah, the Obama administration. But Obama was holding more than double the amount of people. That's a whole other issue. But I never got to this bias in uh, college story. Okay, all okay. right. So uh, uh, there are some upset people, because apparently Harvard believes that Asians have terrible personalities. Huh. Asians, Asians have terrible, terrible personalities, personalities, according to Harvard. Mm-hmm. They went through and they uh, uh, the they went through um, all of their admittance uh, policy. And they went through uh, several years worth between 2000 and 2019. Mm-hmm. What they found is that Asian Americans outdid everybody in uh, in all of the actual school-based things like extracurricular activity and grades Mm -hmm. they outdid everybody by a large margin Mm -hmm. so what harvard did was rate on the third area uh was a personality they just gave them really crappy personality scores so they didn't overwhelm the college because obviously you don't want asians with all their bad personalities all over your school you want to make sure that you keep them out now, if you actually based it on the things that would matter to get into a school, instead of 19% of the of the Harvard student body being Asian, it would be 43% because they achieved at a higher level. But no, instead, they decided to go the opposite way and give them really crappy personality scores so that they wouldn't get into the school. Asian American applicants receive a two or better of their personal score more than twenty percent of the time, and only uh, uh, in in uh, only the top academic index decile. This is this is mm-hmm. the Stu. This is the same group of people 
that um, were not even classified as people mm-hmm. uh, in the 1800s, right? Yeah, they, the, they were had a rough time in the 1900s too, if I remember. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they they built the railroads, kind of slave labor. Yeah, yeah. Anything and happened in the in the 1900s? Yeah, they, any, any well, progressive presidents step in? Yeah, and well, make sure a couple their lives of times, a little bit better uh, in, to protect them. Yeah, in uh, with with FDR, he hated them, uh, and uh, even though. All of the evidence showed that uh, they weren't a threat. Uh, he just rounded all of them up. Mm. Okay. But that group, that group of people that were, have struggled so much, mm-hmm. they're doing fine. They're doing incredibly fine. Yeah. They have to sex so much better that they have to actually make them seem as if they have bad personalities to keep them out of harvard so here's here is the one time that um because i hate this i hate statue of liberty is weeping today statue of, is it really it's a statue <laughs> then you know maybe we should maybe we should call the pope because liberty should be canonized because she's crying now i don't know if she's crying blood but she's crying wow she's weeping the statue of liberty is weeping today no no the statue of liberty metaphorically is not weeping it's not you know what makes the statue of liberty weep when she challenges the other countries and says give them to me give me all the people that you say can't make it give me all the people who you say are worthless give me all the people that your system of government continues to oppress I'm going to set them free over here and they're going to join and they're just going to they're going to have a dream and they're going to be able to pursue it. They're not going to live the same way that they were living in your country generation after generation after generation, because here we're going to take them and say, you're free to dream. You're free to work. What do you want to build and watch what they'll do? That's the message of the Statue of Liberty. The torch is imprisoned lightning. What does that mean? Imprisoned lightning. All those people, all of those ideas, all of those things, all of the power behind those people, you've kept them in cages. I'm going to open it up. You watch what happens when they're set free. Statue of Liberty is weeping? Yeah, it is. It's weeping today over Harvard. Because what you've done is you've taken the American dream. You come over here, you work hard. No matter what, no matter what anybody has ever said about you or said about your your race or your relatives in the past, no matter how poorly you were treated, the the Statue of Liberty weeps. When we have those people here, And they are coming through the golden door for their chance to try. And some guild or some university or some union keeps them down. That's when we have betrayed the promise of the Statue of Liberty. By the way, one more interesting takeaway from this. You might be... uh find compelling in some way Asian Americans only had the solid personality score on the top 10% of academic achievement but whites 
got the solid personality score for the top 60% of achievement. So, I mean, they a lot more people got good personality scores if they were white. However, Hispanics got in the top 70%, and African Americans got in the top 80%. So, it's interesting, like, there's a level of, this is how they're manipulating their admissions, right? They're just saying, well, that person has a bad personality, and that person has a good personality, we want them here. I mean, I, this, this is the stuff you can't... You can't fix this stuff by quotas. You can't fix this stuff no. by affirmative action. Take people who... If, now listen if, to if you, your social justice denier. is 100% Asian, celebrate it. If they're the ones that are actually doing the best work and achieving the most, celebrate it. Because your school is going to be known as churning out the leaders and the thinkers and the inventors that will change the world. All right, many people have a hard time picturing how to update their home with new blinds or window coverings, and so they, you know, don't make a move. Uh, to do something simple that could really change the look and the value of their home. Blinds.com has a really cool section on the website called See Bef uh, Before and After. These are the pictures that will maybe help get your imagination going a little bit. Blinds.com is the easiest way to reimagine your home. Brand new custom blinds from blinds.com makes it makes it feel like you've changed everything in your home without a big expense. They're going to guide you through the entire measure and install process for free. You get free samples. Shipping is free. Plus, you get free online design consultation in case you don't know which to pick. What, what would look best? Blinds.com, the number one online retailer of custom window coverings for many reasons. And one of them is now until June 28th. You can enjoy site-wide savings, plus take an additional 5% off when you go to blinds.com slash back. Again, site-wide savings, plus an additional 5% off when you use blinds.com slash back. That's blinds.com slash back. Rules and restrictions do apply. Selena Zito is, um, I think, one of the best writers um, in the country and probably has a better pulse on America than 90% of the people that you see on radio or television. Um, she's just written a piece for uh, town hall and she said it was a blustery afternoon in April and I filled a van along with 10 students from Harvard university. We had just spent the last couple of days in Chicopee, Massachusetts, where we had chatted with the police chief and his force, the mayor and his staff, small business owners, waitresses, firemen about the struggles of living in small town America the undergrads were buzzing with their imp impressions. Chicopee is about 90 miles west of the university in Cambridge, but when it comes to shared experiences, it might as well have been a thousand light years away. We were only a few days into a new political project that I had developed with Harvard Institute of Politics called Main Street and Backroads of America, a journalism workshop where students were Im immersed in small town America. Even though these kids had almost all been raised in the United States, our journey sometimes felt like an anthropology course, as they thought they were seeing the rest of the country for the first time. This was their opening lesson. I've been a national political journalist for 15 years, and wherever and whenever I travel in the country, I abide by a few simple rules. No planes, no interstates, and no hotels. Definitely no chain restaurants. The reason is simple. Planes fly over, the interstates, uh, interstates swiftly pass by what's really happening in the suburbs, the towns, and exurbs of this uh, nation. Staying in a hotel doesn't give you the same connection I get in staying in a bed and breakfast, where the first person I meet is a business person who runs the place and knows all the neighborhood secrets. You also have to spend time in the community and really report on it. 
parachuting in a few hours to interview the locals when can lead to flawed evaluations. When you're short on time, your instincts can get blurred and you can gravitate towards the shiny objects. These simple rules are what intrigues students at the Harvard Institute of Politics, or IOP, after hearing me speak at the Pizza and Politics event on the school campus last fall. She goes in to talk about what had happened. You have to read this. I'll tweet it out. She said that it was eye-opening for the students. They didn't think they would find anything in common uh, with these, and students ranging from 19 to 21. They had come from the coasts, They thought the people would be backward and no longer useful, undereducated or uneducated. What they came out with was a very different feel, and both sides broke the barriers. Glenn Beck. Quote, revolutionary movements do not spread by contamination, but by resonance. Something that is constituted here resonates with uh, something, a shockwave emitted by something constituted over there. An insurrection is not like a plague or a forest fire. A linear process was spreads from place to place after an initial spark. It rather takes the shape of music whose focal points through dispersed, though dispersed in time and space, succeed in imposing the rhythms of their own vibrations, always taking on more density. End quote. That is from the book by the Invisible Committee called The Coming Insurrection. I shared that book with you in 2007 or 8. It was written by radical leftists in France, and it talks about, quote, the imminent collapse of the capitalist and Western culture. It was published in France in 2007. It was split up in two different parts. First part is a bunch of Marxist stuff, basically complaining why they believe capitalism is so bad. The second part is a little more interesting. Beginning under the section, Get Going, the authors lay out a pathway for revolution. And their main strategy is to wait for a crisis, economic, environmental, or political, and then begin attacking the government institutions, the the corporations, and the police. Now think about what's been happening. Think about what you've heard in just the last few weeks. Think about what's happening with the Department of Homeland Security. Over just the last few days, the acting deputy secretary of Homeland Security, Claire Grady, had to send out a department-wide memo warning employees of recent developments. This is on Saturday, she said, and I quote, The assessment is based on specific incredible threats that have been levied against certain DHS employees and a sharp increase in the overall number of general threats against DHS employees. So Grady goes on to instruct the DHS employees not to wear any identifying markings outside of official buildings. Don't talk to anybody about where they work in public or on social media and to keep their windows and their doors locked in their homes. She warned them, be alert and aware of any unexpected changes in their neighborhoods. This doesn't sound good. This doesn't sound good. Not only for the safety of DHS, but it's a really bad thing to take a police force and isolate it from the community and and then begin to plant the seeds that it's us versus them. That's not going to end well. Last week, WikiLeaks, they leaked the information of over 9,000 current and former ICE employees. They said they did this to increase accountability. But what kind of accountability are you looking for by pointing, you know, radicals to somebody's house? 
It's not oversight they're looking for. It's insurrection. Ever since that leak, the DHS has received over 20 credible threats. In one instance, a burned and decapitated animal corpse was left on the uh, was left on the porch of a DHS employee. As the Invisible Committee describes it, this crisis is taking on more density. Anybody on either side that are stirring up anger and rage are misguided at best. Because anger and rage begets terror and violence. It's Tuesday, June 26th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Alex Benayan is uh, is an author. I guess you could call him an author because he has a book out, but that's not really who he is. He is a guy who who looks at the world differently and has realized that there are three different doors in life. There's a door that everybody lines up in front of and takes their turn and waits patiently in line. Then there's the one for celebrities and politicians and people with power or money. And then there's a third door. That's the name of his book, The Third Door. And he has it's full of examples in his own life of how that third door works. Welcome. How are you, Alex? I'm great. Thank you for having me. You were Forbes 30 under 30 when you were 22. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, (laughs) wildly, wildly successful because you think completely out of the box, right? Is that why you would say you were successful? I realized when I was 18 that not only did I not know what I wanted to do with my life, I don't know how all the people who I looked up to, how they did it. So I went on this quest to learn from all these people who I admired and by coincidence, not by design, the lessons I was learning during these interviews we're starting to play out in my own life. So this is really you kind of your own university because you didn't go, you didn't go to college. Your mom was not happy about that. Uh, I'm still traumatized from the tears. <laughs> <laughs> you know, having you know Jewish immigrant parents and telling them you're leaving college is the end of the world. Oh yeah, I for bet. a kid, I bet. What did she say? It was what she didn't say for weeks, you know, oh. not talking, right. crying. And did you know that you would get this education or did you just say, no, not now? Or how did you approach this? What, what was your thinking? So I, I love college. And when I entered college, I was the pre-med of pre-meds, which happens when you're the son of immigrants. Right. I was, you know, cradled in my mom's arms and then she stamped md on my behind and sent me on my way right right. and by the time i got to college you know i was in my pre-med bio classes but very quickly i remember the life being sucked out of me and at first i thought maybe i'm just being lazy but then i realized maybe i'm not on my path maybe i'm on a path somebody placed me on and i'm just rolling down Mm. so i always loved college but i knew the answers I was getting weren't the answers I wanted. So I just tore through a bunch of books, business books and biographies and self-help books, looking for a specific guide of how all these people I looked up to, how they were able to break through when nobody knew their name. But eventually I was left empty-handed. So very naively, because I was 18, I thought, why not just write it myself? 
You know, I thought I could just call up Bill Gates, interview him, <laughs> interview everybody else. You know, right. I thought he's just waiting to help out kids these days. Right, right. Uh, to my surprise, that's not how it played out. <laughs> right. But that was the original inspiration to go on this quest to get the answers I was looking okay, for. Okay, so I, I want to talk about a couple of things before we get into your quest <laughs> to meet these people. First of all, tell me about your dad, because he's, he's all the way through this book. My dad passed a year ago. And... You know what? I'll tell you about a couple minutes ago, right before we started. I closed my eyes and I told my dad, you know, you're here with me. And the hardest and biggest lessons I've learned in life came from seeing my dad pass away before my eyes. And I learned about the importance of family. And the biggest thing is that you don't know how much you'll miss someone until they're gone. I will tell you that if I were your father right now, my whole life was just worth living because my son feels that way about me. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about the third door, the, the quest to... Um, Find out how people did it. The quest just to talk to Spielberg and Gates and Warren Buffett and Lady Gaga in a minute. All right. There's a lot of things that uh, there's a lot of things that you you can't do. You can't go into a shoe store and take shoes out for a hundred day, you know, test walk or a car for a 100-day test drive. Um, and this has always been the way. With one of the things, we spend at least a third of our life sleeping. Uh, and you go into a, uh, a mattress store, and you roll around in your clothes, and it's awkward, and it's you're wearing your shoes, and it's just, you just, I don't care that one. And then you're uncomfortable in it. Casper is giving you a 100 nights to test the Casper mattress in your own home with their 100-night sleep challenge. A 100 nights. All you have to do is just call them and try it out. Casper Mattress, a unique combination of foams that provides the right pressure relief and alignment. So you'll feel perfectly balanced and comfortable and ships free right to your door. And if you don't love it, no big deal. You just call them up and they come by and pick it up for you. No questions asked and give you every penny back. Casper.com. Make sure you use the promo code back. Try it out in your own home for 100 nights. Casper.com. If you use the promo code back, you're going to save $50 on the select mattress. That's promo code back at Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. Alex Benayan, he is uh, the author of the book, The Third Door, The Wild Quest to Uncover How the World's Most Successful People Launch Their Careers. Uh, he is 25 years old and... Uh, going to 
have a very successful uh, life in front of them, uh, in front of him. Um, first, let's start with what the third door is. So after spending seven years interviewing the world's most successful people, I realized while on the outside, they are completely different. You know, Bill Gates grew up wealthy in Seattle, yeah. Maya Angelou in Stamps, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. At their core, though, they all treat life and business and success the exact same way. And the analogy that came to me because I was 21 at the time was it's sort of like getting into a nightclub. So there's always three ways in. There's the first door, the main entrance, where the line curves around the block where 99% of people wait around hoping to get in. And then there's the second door, the VIP entrance where the billionaires and celebrities go through. And for some reason, school and society have this way of making us feel like those are the only two ways in. Mm -hmm. You're either born into it or you wait your turn like everybody else. But what I learned is that there's always, always the third door. And it's the entrance where you jump out of line, run down the alley, bang on the door a hundred times, crack open the window, go through the kitchen. There's always a way in. And it doesn't matter if that's how Gates sold his first piece of software or how Spielberg became the youngest director in Hollywood history. They all took the third door. Do you think there's anybody who's that does really, truly game-changing, remarkable things that hasn't done that? I don't believe so. Not at I all. don't think so either. I think the whole, you know, the very essence of your question, game-changing things. Right. You have to think that way. How can you stand in a long line hoping life hands you what you want if you're trying to do something that actually changes things? So were you, did you, did you learn the, I don't think you learned this from them. It was just verified in Mm. you because the way, the first thing you did was you thought it was going to be easy (laughs) to get all these interviews, right? there's a power of being naive right okay yeah there is there really is you just don't know any better and i love that um but you thought it would be easy to get that you thought it would be hard to get the money to publish the book right because i was you know buried and i was buried in student loan debt so i thought there had to be a way to make some quick money because i figured bill gates of course would say come on in immediately yeah so i needed the couple hundred bucks to fly to seattle right okay so two nights before final exams this is my freshman year of college I'm sitting in the library doing what everyone's doing in the library right before finals. I'm on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm on Facebook and I see someone offering free tickets to the Price is Right. And the first thought that comes into my mind is, what if I go on the show and win some money to fund this dream? You know, not my brightest moment. Right. But I had a problem. I had... Never seen a full episode of the show before. Plus, I had finals in two days. Right. And, you know, my mom would kill me, but I decided that night to do the logical thing and pull an all-nighter to study. But I didn't study for finals. I studied how to hack the prices right. (laughs) And I went on the show the next day and executed this ridiculous strategy and ended up winning the whole showcase showdown, winning a sailboat, selling the sailboat, and that's how I funded the Okay, so hang on just a second. What was the (laughs) hack, and how did you learn it? So during my all-nighter... What I realized when I was on the you know, 23rd O of a Google search mm-hmm. is that the price is right isn't what it seems. You know, they make it look random. Glenn, come on down! <laughs> right. As if they pulled your name out of a hat. But what I learned is that there's a producer who interviews every single person in the audience. And then on top of that, there's an undercover producer who's planted around in casual clothing to verify those selections. So like everything in life, there's a system to it. It wasn't just luck. 
So how did you work that system? <laughs> so when I got there, I didn't know who the undercover producer is. So I just had to assume everyone Everybody was. was so yeah. I'm, you know, flirting with old ladies. I'm dancing with the custodians. I'm break dancing and I don't know how to break dance. Right. And eventually I get in line and it's my turn to be interviewed by the producer. And the second I saw him, I knew, you know, I knew everything about him from my night of research. I knew where he grew up. I knew where he went to school and I knew he had a clipboard, but it's never in his hand. It's in his producer's hand who sits right behind him. So it's finally my turn to be interviewed. So he goes, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? And I go, hey, I'm Alex. I'm 18. I'm a freshman in college. I'm studying pre-med. And he goes, pre-med, you must spend a lot of time studying. How do you have time to watch The Price is Right? And I go, oh, is that where I am? You know, no <laughs> laughter. The, do right, the joke right, falls right. flat. So I had read in one of these business books that I was reading that human contact speeds up a relationship so i had an idea i needed to touch stan <laughs> so i you know i call the producer over stan i'm like stan come over here i want to make a handshake with you and you know we pound it and blow it up and he laughs and he goes all right good luck and walks away doesn't turn around to his assistant she doesn't write anything on the clipboard just like that it's over and i don't know if you've had one of these moments where your whole dream is right in front of you and you can see it slipping through your fingers like sand. And the worst part is, you know, you didn't even have a chance to really prove yourself. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what got into me, but I felt this rumbling in the pit of my stomach and I started yelling at the top of my lungs, Stan! And you know, the whole audience shoots their head around. They think I'm like having a seizure and he runs over. And he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and, you know, he's typical Hollywood, you know, goatee, mm -hmm. red scarf. And I just look at him and I'm like, your scarf. And now I really don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and all I can do is with all the seriousness I can, I just look at him and I say, Stan, I'm an avid scarf collector. I have 362 pairs in my dorm room and I'm missing that one. Where did you get it? And he starts cracking up because I think he finally figured out what I was doing. And he was laughing more at why I was doing it. So he Great. gives me the scarf. He's like, look, you need this more than I do. He turns around, winks, and his assistant makes a mark on the clipboard. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So now, <laughs> this is this that you just took the third door. You didn't learn this on the road. I mean, I want to hmm. hear the stories of everybody else, but you didn't learn this on the road. Hmm. You knew this instinctively. Hmm. Didn't you? I didn't know consciously that I did. Right. What I learned much later in my journey, and it's funny how life works this way. You know, the answers sometimes if you're not ready for it, it waits until you're ready. Halfway through the journey of writing the book, my grandpa finally opened up about his life to me. And what I learned is that he was in Iran, you know, born into a family where food could barely be put on the table. And his story of making ends meet when he was five years old his father passed away and in iran women couldn't work so it was really up to my grandpa five six seven eight years old to make ends meet in his story of overcoming you know coming to america rebuilding everything really following that american dream i didn't know it consciously but when i finally heard the story i realized this has not only been in my blood this has been what i was raised around I just didn't know it. Hmm. All right. So uh, who's the first person you want to meet? 
Oh, when I was 18, the first person I tried to meet was Steven Spielberg. And I knew he was at a, you know, a fundraising party in Los Angeles. And I ended up going to the party, sneaking in as part of the catering staff. And at the party, I, you know, I had done all my research on him. I'd read all his biographies, watched all his movies. And when I was at the party, I finally built up the courage to go up and talk to him because he was, you know, talking to some, you know, bald man I didn't know, who I later found out was Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> so, <laughs> some bald man. I so didn't I showed him up. I'm like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. He's talking right. to some random guy. Yeah. So I run up to him and I'm like, you know, Mr. Spielberg, Mr. Spielberg, can I ask you a question as you walk to your car? And he swings around and throws his arms in the air and I flinch. And he gives me a big hug. We'll pick the story up there when we come back. The name of the book is The Third Door. So, you need to sell your home. Uh, You've made the decision. It's time to move. You want to maybe take some money off the table, lock in your profit, or maybe you just want to go to a better area, move south, uh, go somewhere that has uh, non-communist laws. Whatever you want to do when you want to sell your house, uh, you have to make a decision up front, which is who's going to be your real estate agent. Well, you better find somebody who knows what the heck they're doing. Uh, you better find somebody who shares your values. You should find someone from realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place that Glenn put together a long time ago, uh, basically designed to screen through real estate agents to find people who share your values, who know what they're doing, who are great at advertising and get real results instead of making it a guessing game because guessing's not fun. It might be fun when you're a kid and your dad has two things, his hands behind his back and you're looking for some, a treat is in one of them. That's not so fun when you're talking about real estate agents. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com if you want to sell your house fast and for the most money. realestateagentsitrust.com This is the Glenn Beck Program. At the top of next hour, we have an update on a couple of Supreme Court cases that have come in favorable to the conservative point of view. One was the travel ban, and the other was this ridiculous law in California where uh, if you were an adoption agency or you were a Christian agency, you had to post the posters about abortion in Planned Parenthood. It was, it was crazy. Um, But anyway, we'll give you all of the information on that coming up in just a second. Um, um, Alex Benayan is uh, here. He he has a book called The Third Door, and it is about his meetings with these really famous people. uh, And he got in to see like everybody, everybody. Um, And and let's finish up on, on Steven Spielberg. So. He gives you a hug at this party. He gives me a hug, and because I'm 18, I don't have a pitch. I just end up pouring my heart out to him. Yeah. And when I ask him for an interview, you know, his eyes clench because, you know, that's the last thing he's going to want to hear. But he did something that was the most powerful thing he could have given me. He sort of stopped, and he looked at me, and he said, I don't know why, but I really think you're going to make this happen. Go do it. Come back to me later. And he walked away. You know, he said goodbye and walked away. And then he turned around right before getting in his car and walked back and said, I really meant that. I believe you can do this. And when you're 18 years old, there's no power, no more powerful gift. Yeah. At all. Did you go back to him? Yeah. (laughs) Did he meet you? What ended up happening, and it's a pretty wild story. I ended up going out to the south of France where he was the judge of the Cannes Film Festival so I could get back in touch with him. And I'll spare you the whole story, but I ended up 
taking a little dinghy out to the middle of the French Riviera to Spielberg's yacht to deliver a letter. Oh almost gosh. died. Um, the story was so preposterous. It actually didn't even make it into the book because my publisher is like, this is too, too <laughs> much. <laughs> this is nonfiction. <laughs> that is crazy. So did he answer the letter? Spielberg sadly was not. Oh, it's too know, bad. And one of the things that I've learned about the book is that while, you know, most things don't work out. Yeah. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. Um, when you met um, Bill Gates, you wanted him, after your interview with him, you wanted to uh, get him to line you up with Warren Buffett. And what happened is his office loved, Gates's office loved the interview so much, they actually reached out to Buffett's office to vouch for me to try to get me the interview. But what had happened is I had spent eight months pounding on Warren Buffett's door calling his office week after week, sending him handwritten letters every single month. I was so persistent that when Gates' office finally reached out, Buffett's office said, oh, we know all about Alex. And it's not happening. And I learned a very strong lesson for a young person, which is there's a such thing as over-persistence. Did you meet with him? With Buffett, Buffett. what ended up happening is because I couldn't get the official sit-down interview, me and my five childhood best friends went to Omaha for Buffett's annual shareholders meeting where there's 30,000 people there. Oh my gosh. And there's a Q&A portion. But you have to be selected for the Q&A. It's a, comp it's a random lottery. But you've done the prices <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So me and my best friends go to Buffett's meeting. And although there's only 30 people who ask questions out of 30,000, one in a thousand odds. We find a loophole in Buffett's lottery and out of, you know, one in a thousand odds, four of us got winning lottery tickets. Unbelievable. And, and that's how we asked my questions to Warren Buffett in front of 30,000 people. What was the, what was the trick? So Buffett didn't think out his system <laughs> clearly enough. What ended up happening is it's a big basketball arena and there's 12 different lottery stations all around the arena. And they're equally spaced out, assuming that everyone in, the, in this arena wants to equally ask questions. But if you think about it, the people in the front rows are the biggest Buffett fans who are dying to ask a question. The people all the way up in the shadowy top yeah. part don't want anyone to know they're even there. So no one's entering that lottery. So you put your name in there and they pull equal amount from each bucket? Exactly. Wow. So the odds are completely tilted. So this is so so. Well, first of all, let me ask you, you met uh, Maya Angelou, uh, Bill Gates, uh, Spielberg, uh, Lady Gaga, uh, and then Jessica Alba. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm. One of these things isn't quite like the other. She's built a hell of a business, though. She's, she does have yeah. she does have a, a a business. What did you learn from Jessica Alba? I didn't expect to learn it, and we actually touched up on it in the beginning. Where I went into the interview with Jessica Alba the week after my dad's cancer diagnosis, mm. and I went into that interview thinking, you know. I need to be professional. I need to stop thinking about death. And as soon as I sat down with Jessica Alba, for some reason, I'll never know why, she immediately started talking about 
how you never know when your parents are going to go. Oh my And gosh. how that is her biggest fear that helped spur her to start this business. So did you just start bawling or? I, I tried to hold it in. And I tried to change the subject. So I changed the subject and asked her how she started her company. And she goes, well, when I had kids, I realized they can die just as easily. And I'm oh like, please stop talking about death. And when I finally blurted it out, she, for the first time, made me feel not alone. And not only did she make me feel that, she taught me lessons about how sometimes looking and using your biggest fear can be your biggest advantage. You have, at 25, you have uh, more real knowledge than I may even have now. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do with it? What I've learned is that when I set out to write this book, my original intention was to gather all of these tools and tactics and principles from all these people who I looked up to and put it all in a guidebook. And while that element still exists, you know, the saying, one person's hindsight can be your foresight. Mm. While that still exists in the book, what I've realized is that the soul of the book goes much deeper. And the soul of this book is really about possibility. And what I've learned is that you can give someone all the best knowledge and tools in the world and their life can still feel stuck. But if you change what someone believes is possible, they'll never be the same. And that's the mission moving forward. You know, I have, um, I've told this story um, a few times, but I just want to uh, verify what you're saying. Uh, I'm 30. I... Uh, uh, I'm an alcoholic. I just start to uh, sober up and mm. start to really look at my whole life and, and everything. And uh, and uh, uh, somebody sa I said, you know, I just like to go back to I'd like to go to college as I didn't go to college. I'd like to go to college. And mm. um, somebody said, well, you live in New Haven. Why don't you go to Yale? And mm. I said, they're not going to accept me. I was a loser. I was I, I had horrible grades. Well, I sent for my transcripts. I was an A student. I was a really good student. Mm. But I had talked myself into not being a good student, not being smart. And I had allowed others to build on that. Mm. And um, I sat with a professor and because uh, he said uh, one of the one of the underclassmen said, um, uh, could you just could you just do, you know, it's finals week, and would you just do what you do with the professor uh, all the time mm. uh, so we don't have to, you know, really listen? <laughs> and I said, wow, okay, well, what is it that I do? And they said, you know, you get him talking. Mm. And it was because I was asking questions. I really wanted to know. They just wanted to get through the class. I really wanted to know. And uh, so we had kind of this exchange uh, over a two-week period, and um, – uh, and he finally said, I want to see you after class. Mm. And we sat down and he said, what are you reading? Why are you, why are you here? And I said, I, I've realized I don't, I don't really know anything myself. Mm. He said, what are you reading? I said, I'm, I'm trying to get through Einstein. I'm trying to get through Immanuel Kant. I'm, I'm reading the founders. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading Augustine. I'm trying to figure out, you know, Plato, all of this stuff. And uh, he said, who's guiding you through that? And I said, me. 
And he said, and I said, I feel so stupid. I just can't. It's so hard. And he said, he reached across the table. He put my hand, his hand on mine and he said, you know you belong here, don't you? Mm. That changed my life. Mm. Steven Spielberg saying to you, I really mean this is going to happen. You're going to do this. It changes your life. Somebody who you respect, and it doesn't have to be anybody big or famous or anything else. Dad. Especially dad sometimes. Dad saying, I believe in you. Changes everything. Mm. The name of the book is The Third Door. Alex, it has been a real honor to meet you. And uh, thank you very much. Honor's been mine. Yeah, and I uh, I hope to see great things coming from you from here on out. I appreciate that yeah, a ton. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Name of the book again: The Third Door. Couldn't recommend highly enough. All right, our sponsor this half hour is Liberty Safe. Liberty Safe's been around forever. They build all of their safes here in America. Whenever you go in, like to a Cabela's. And it says Cabela Safe, that Cabela Safe, that's a sticker that Cabela's has put on. It's actually a Liberty Safe. Liberty Safe's made here in America. And right now you can get a great price and receive 12 months interest-free payment for zero down and zero APR. They even offer Liberty Safe's for as low as 20 bucks a month. It's on sale now until June 30th. Liberty's newest and most advanced handgun vault, the HDX 350 for $299, plus you get a free HD key, uh, key vault with the purchase. Liberty safe, um, best built safes on the planet, bar none. You want to keep your guns or your, your, your items uh, safe, your paperwork, your marriage certificate, your photos, hard drives, whatever it is. Liberty safe, act now and protect what you value well, I would say most, but you can't stuff your kids in these. LibertySafe.com. LibertySafe.com. Go there now. Protesters have gathered outside White House advisor Stephen Miller's apartment and passed out wanted posters. Uh, a group of chanting protesters gathered outside the White House advisor's uh, home on Monday before the chanting picked up. They circulated uh, the wanted uh, posters expressing the contention that uh, Miller is guilty of crimes against humanity, uh, among other things. These, by the way, are the things that I would like if you ever get your hands on any of these things that are being passed out uh, on campus or around or you, you please grab it and send it to us. We'll put a we'll put an address up at our P.O. box um, uh, on uh, glenbeck.com later today but please we we need to collect all of these for history's sake and if you ever get a hold of any of this stuff please send it to us uh, so we can have it for safekeeping so let's look a little bit at a couple of the decisions that the court has just handed down yeah two pretty big ones and, and actually a third sort of uh, piece of collateral damage that's i think particularly interesting uh, to this audience uh, first of all, uh, the law in California uh, ha- was basically required places, you know, like a Christian um, counseling center on abortion to or an adoption center to give advice to people who come into it, posting notices on the wall to say, hey, don't forget, you can also get an abortion. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, typical California, right? Um, and that has been overturned on a 5-4 decision. Um, it has possibly wider um, uh, consequences. So, yes, a in little bit in that they're basically saying you can't really force someone to say something just because you call it professional speech. So what, the way the law kind of works is to say, well, we're not saying you say this as an individual. We're saying this as your role as a doctor, you have to say this. As your role as a lawyer, you have to you have to you have to make make these notices. No, I'm and an individual first. Yeah, right. They're saying you're an individual first. You can't compel the person to say things just mm -hmm. because they happen to be a professional and you know holding a job, which is interesting. I could see a wider significance. The other one is the travel ban. Travel ban uh, was upheld by the court. Um, and, uh, so that can go forward. Uh, this is wow. reflecting one of Trump's probably best decisions in that he got rid of Steve right. Bannon, who designed the first couple versions of it and failed miserably with them. Uh, this one is the, you know, the third or fourth take at it. And this one actually passes scrutiny, um, and is now okay to go forward. Um, there's interesting parts of this in that, um, one of the big arguments there's several arguments the uh, other side made, which was one, hey, we know this is about banning Muslims because the president said it over and over again in the campaign mm -hmm. and as presidency. Basically, the court looked at those arguments and said, he, yeah, whatever he said, he could say whatever he wants. Um, however, that wasn't actually in the text. So they basically dismissed all the stuff that he said. They did not say that everything he said was okay. They said the stuff he said had nothing to do with this because it's not in the text of it. Wow. You know, wouldn't that be nice if the media started doing that? They're actually looking at the argument. Yeah, yeah, looking yeah. at what's actually going on and going, I don't really care what he says. Yeah. He says a lot of stuff, and uh, some of it you should listen to, some of it you shouldn't. We should get into maybe uh, the, the way that that was written about, because it's pretty important. Uh, and it also, you know, seems to overturn in the ruling another case, a famous one. Um, that has something to do with one of the biggest progressive presidents in history. Oh my gosh! Oh my! Oh my! I think I again. Uh, wait, oh my! Don't know really. Mm -hmm. FDR or Woodrow Wilson. Don't tell me. Oh. Don't tell me. I want to wait until open this. I mean, it's like Christmas now. <laughs> give me a hint. No, don't give me a hint. Don't give me a hint. Let me dream of what it might be, and we'll come back with the Supreme Court in just a minute. Glenn Beck. Uh, there's a uh, story today coming out. A couple of things. First of all, California is considering creating a fake news advisory group. Uh, this is a government group that the Californians are going to put together. Uh, and uh, they're going to figure out what's fake news and what's not fake news. Well, that'll be helpful. Now, also in the news today, President Trump, uh, still everybody is protesting his now repealed immigration party uh, policy. He's now saying it is back to catch and release. Every day we get a fresh example of outrage that is dubious or unsavory or sometimes now even violent. There was a graphic cartoon by Occupy Wall Street just the last few days. The abuse of Flor uh, Florida's Attorney General, Pam Bondi. She left a movie theater. She'd been watching Would You Be My Neighbor? And they're spitting on her and screaming at her. Similar abuse of Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen. The mistreatment of Sarah Sanders over the weekend. And boy, I just have to say, side note, Your Honor. I mean, a group that calls itself feminist progressives do mistreat an awful lot of women. At least they have in the last week. 
the bungled Time magazine cover story, which saw the magazine use a photo of an immigrant girl being kidnapped from her parents, uh, which was false. The girl had never been taken from her mother, but that didn't matter, though. Time magazine concluded it's the message that counts. Oddly enough, a similar incident happened just again today. Alex Wren, Maxim's Mexico cover girl in uh, 2017. She's Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Rookie for 2018. She posted an image of a sobbing child reaching through the chain link fence. And she writes, I'm effing disgusted right now. Yes, but are you, are you wearing a bikini? Uh, or would that be sexist of me to notice that she's wearing a bikini if she's on the cover of Sports Illustrated? I, I don't even know the rules anymore. The assumption is that she had posted evidence of a child being taken from their parents at the U.S. border. But it wasn't until after the tweet went viral that people realized, uh, no, that, that, uh, that photo has nothing to do with the current border situation. Not even close. The photo was actually taken last year for a Metro UK article titled Thousands of Children Separated from Parents During Battle to Free Mosul from ISIS. Now, Again, I don't know. You're wearing a swimsuit. I mean, she's a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Who gives a flying crap what she has to say? Well, strange as it is, her tweets can have a real world effect that is both divisive and precarious. Before Ren deleted the tweet, it had garnered 16,300 retweets and 50,300 likes with roughly 12.2 million followers on Instagram and 1.5 million followers on Twitter, she had the ability to spread a false message, to influence public opinion. I wonder if this is the kind of fake news that the new California board will be looking for. It's Tuesday, June 26th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. All right, Supreme Court rules 5-4 to uphold the travel ban. Now, there's a couple of things in these. We're just going to go through them here. Uh, the there, there are three uh, decisions that have come out, right? Two, uh, two, or just two? two big ones here, okay. yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's go through uh, what the Supreme Court has just decided. So there's a law in California... Uh, basically that required uh, you know, some like an adoption center or a, a Christian counseling center to post uh, notices. Hey, did you guys know that you could also get an abortion instead of do, going through adoption? They wanted to alert people that they could instead abort their children rather than get them for adoption. This is a person who's already walked into an adoption center. We're trying to talk them out of adoption and get them over to the abortion center. Crazy. Now, you can make that point if you'd like. No, it's you certainly can, covered you, by the First Amendment to make that argument. But you also can't make the argument that I want them rare, safe, and legal. No, they, they've right. given up rare. Right. It's I just know, safe and legal. And honestly, like I don't know that they care about safe, safe really. Uh, I think they care about legal. But the... the mm, yeah, they are selling the body parts. That's true. It's a good point. Yeah, they so. don't care about any of it. They're all lying. <laughs> all right, Let's put it okay, that way. Uh, so they, they can make that argument. You could say, hey, uh, we think abortion's a wonderful argument. We can't force a Catholic charity, for example, to say they have to say that abortion's a great op- uh, option for you. Um, and that's, you know, your, your compelling speech. Now, uh, it, uh, Clarence Thomas wrote the decision. 
Um, as we know on this program, one of the basic tenets of this program is that Clarence Th- Thomas continues to be awesome. Um, so uh, we have to interview. I want to interview him. I don't. I don't think he should do that interview. I advise against it. Yeah, Clarence. no. I mean, it uh, wouldn't be an intelligent <laughs> interview, but and he wouldn't take it. But I want to interview. Him. No, he would be. I mean, fantastic. Yeah, he's so. I mean, so smart. And yeah, we. He's the most. I, I potentially the most important man in America right now. Yeah. Uh, he writes, and this is a great summary of what he wrote. The Ninth Circuit uh, did not uh, apply strict scrutiny because this it concluded that the notice re- regulates professional speech. But this court has never recognized professional speech as a separate category of speech subject to different rules. Speech is not unprotected merely because it is uttered by professionals. He's <laughs> <laughs> just awesome. Uh, so that one is a great, you know, it's great. Five, four. Uh, down the line there as you might expect with a decision like that um, and it does wind up being the correct one I think clearly yeah. you know I mean I think there's it's absolutely clearly the right decision uh, and one I'm very excited about um, on the other side this travel ban it's going to get a lot more uh, press than the abortion ruling um, and it's also important the decision uh, uh, goes through and says the travel ban can go forward uh, there's a lot of nuance to it and some interesting uh, things inside of it first of all um, one of the main arguments made by people by Hawaii trying to say, hey, the travel ban should not exist. One of their main arguments was, we know this wouldn't be constitutional if it was done based on religion. And we think that it was based on religion. And here's our evidence. Donald Trump called it a Muslim ban about 5,000 times. Okay. Here's all the people in his administration who called it a Muslim ban. Here's all the times he said it was to ban Muslims, blah, 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 blah. What the court said is they actually looked at those arguments and they said, okay, we, we, you're right. Donald Trump did say those things. However, it's, a, it's not technically in the writing. It's not technically in what they call the proclamation, which is what this is to uh, what the travel ban is. So they're basically saying, yeah, it's his opinions aside, we're not, our, we're not ruling on whether those are good opinions or whether they're right or wrong, what we're saying is they're not in here technically. So, and a lot of that's because it's the third or fourth version of this. So think of the far-reaching um, uh, ramifications of that because what he's saying here is that just be called, because it's called the Patriot Act doesn't mean it's patriotic. Right. Huh. <laughs> and that's at least the I name of the act. I mean, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I think I would have loved this standard to be applied to the Obamacare ruling, which it was not. Now, of course, Clarence Thomas didn't write that. He dissented in that opinion. But I mean, th- the same standard ap- as applied to Obamacare says you can't t- change a fee to a tax or a tax to a fee after it's been written. Uh, you can't you can't change the way subsidies are given out afterwards because you think it's what they they probably meant. That was the whole, both of the main Obamacare rulings were decided on the basis that we they, think they meant this, so correct. therefore it is that. It's really weird because um, you even asked them in those particular cases, you even asked them and they told you, mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah, kind of kind of screwed that one. Yeah, two separate cases <laughs> yeah, and I both know. times Roberts was there saying, you know, we think they meant this. Now Roberts gets on board with this ruling. He's on the correct side of, uh, or the... I guess the conservative side, uh, depending on your viewpoint, of this particular ruling, he's with Thomas. So in the 5-4 decision, he's, he here embraces the idea that you shouldn't just insert things that you think they meant into uh, a rule 
a law, a proclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, to me, completely different than what he said last time. But uh, in this particular case, it may uh, uh, help if you're if you like the travel ban. All right. So you promised you promised I did. some candy. I did. You you promised me that this has far-reaching possible far-reaching ramifications it, it overturns something of real historical significance at least i think it does and you, you tell me you're nobody but i can hope you can hope all right hey, you tell me all right the idea one of the other arguments made by hawaii uh in an attempt to overturn the travel ban was to say this is basically the japanese internment camps Okay, you're taking people based on some group and you're punishing all of them at the same time. Okay, what the court said was, wait a minute, this is not the same as Japanese internment camps. You can't compare the two. One's about foreign nationals asking for a privilege Mm -hmm. of admission. Mm -hmm. The other is about citizens losing rights uh, in in their actual citizens uh, in a what they call a morally repugnant way. However, they go on. Uh, to talk about uh, of the, let me read this part for you forcible relocation of US citizens to concentration camps solely and explicitly on the basis of race is objectively unlawful and outside the scope of presidential authority now what's interesting about that is this is the reason why they were able to do the Japanese internment camps is a Supreme Court decision in 1944 which allowed for, for that whole you know disaster to take place so the argument here is this ruling as they call that the the uh the japanese internment camps objectively unlawful and outside the scope of presidential authority overturns the ruling that allowed internment camps in the united states um and that while you might say well i Come on, they're not going to, that could never happen again. I, oh, don't, I know, know. It's I don't only, know. It's only I, happened with two different presidents. I certainly don't have to make that case to Glenn Beck. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, to, right. to a lot of people will say, well, that's not, not a big deal. It's never going to happen again. Well, it has happened before multiple times. It's happened all over the world. It's happening now in the world right well, now. George Takai says it's happening on our border right now. As we just found out. We just yeah. heard from George Takai. This that is it's already no, going. It's actually worse it's than It's worse right. than that. Uh, so that's a pretty big deal. And that here is something that, again, from one of the biggest progressive presidents of all time, FDR. One of the people who is consistently listed in the top five presidents by progressive historians for interning an entire race of people, multiple races of people, by the way, multiple uh, nationalities. Uh, What we see here is, I think, and, you know, this is certainly not just my speculation, but other uh, legal experts speculation that this essentially, in effect, overturns that ruling. They are saying that that was unlawful. They are saying that that was outside the scope of presidential authority. That's really good. I think it's really good uh, because they did not need to go that far. Um, for example, in the abortion ruling, they go pretty far. They say, hey, you can't force people who are professionals to say things just because it's their job, which is a big deal because that could reach past just this one thing. The Masterpiece Cake Shop ruling that we talked about a few weeks ago was the opposite. It was very narrow and didn't apply to a large swath of these of these uh, um, arrangements. So this, I think, is a is a much more further reaching um, situation. I will say this, and you're going to hear a lot about this if you want to tune into uh, MSNBC tonight and tune into a little CNN <laughs> later on today. What you're going to hear a lot about is not the Thomas ruling on this. You're going to hear a lot about the concurring opinion from Justice Kennedy. Now. So Kennedy is, joins the majority in this case, in the 5-4 case, and says, yes, the travel ban should, up, uh, should be upheld. His argument, essentially, 
in his concurring opinion, which he is alone in. He basically says, yes, technically the travel ban uh, should be upheld. However, it's pretty mean. And he goes through. It's a two-page ruling. It's pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty limited. Pretty mean. I, I'm summarizing here. All right. Okay. Um, but yeah, he doesn't he didn't say. Really he didn't say it's pretty mean. It's pretty mean. Okay. I was he says, say we should we should reevaluate Kennedy's health if he said right. Like, and you know what? Oh, I think it's pretty mean. Um, and we're not a bunch of meanies. No, he he didn't word it that way. <laughs> right, but it's okay. essentially what he said. He said, A, it's pretty mean. <laughs> B. And other stuff. And other stuff. No, B, <laughs> the president shouldn't make this. This thing, as presented, is technically okay for the president to do. There's a very low standard for the president to apply these types of immigration restrictions based on national security. So, technically, yes, he can do it. However, he wanted to make sure that everybody knew that a president and his job is to uphold the Constitution. And if what he's doing is essentially rewording a thing over and over and over again to get it to pass scrutiny, when what he really wants to do is ban Muslims... That is wrong. And while I think that is actually, I'm okay with that. Well, first of all, I completely agree right. with that point from, right. from, uh, I think I'm okay Kennedy. with that. However, the larger scope of what people are going to read into this is this is a, a slap at the, on the wrist of the president saying, Hey, what you did passes here, but what you're doing, I don't agree with. Or what you said you were going to do. Right. What I'm you gonna, said multiple times, what you're right, going to do. Gonna, Again, you know, you I'm going to ban Muslims. Yeah, you can't ban Muslims, and if you're just trying to play with the rules to try to get it past us, that's the wrong thing to do. I can't stop you because I have a limitation as the court of what I'm supposed to do. However, what I think of that is really wrong. Now, of course, you might say, "Well, who cares what he thinks? Uh, he, he's, you know, what doesn't matter if if he's applying the law and he's and is doing the job of the Supreme Court. It's not his opinion to say what's mean and what isn't mean." A, you're going to get a lot of media attention on it, so that I'm just alerting you that that's going to be coming. And when they have the quote from Kennedy saying. It's mean. Yeah. Well, then yeah, that's going to play. That, I mean, I, I could read it to you. It's yeah, two no, pages, no, no, but basically I, what it no, says I, is it's mean. Yeah. Okay. I got um, it. In addition to that, though, um, it, it's going to lead to a lot of speculation that Kennedy is not going to be stepping down anytime soon. Because if what he says is, yeah, I have to approve that, but what you're doing is wrong, there's the speculation that he's going to say, well, you know, I can't, I'm not going to step down at this point. And give this guy another Supreme Court pick if what he's going to do is this sort, these sorts of shenanigans. Now, I don't. He's not critical of Gorsuch at all, and I don't think he has any problem with Gorsuch. Uh, so I don't think that he's complaining about his his previous picks. I think he's saying, "Hey, watch how far you're going here," um, because I think if he's completely comfortable with Trump, the idea is he's more um, open to stepping down. And he's been the one that everyone talks about stepping down soon. Now, everyone on the court's like 175 years old, so any one of them could step down at any time. Uh, but Kennedy's the one that's often tossed around, and Kennedy is, know, is the I, moderate. Right? I mean, you look at you look at uh, uh, Ginsburg; she is like walking death. I mean, how old is she now, Ruth? RBG? Ruth? Ruth? Like we know her. RBG? Ruth? Hey, you know, How old is Ruthie now? She doesn't look a day over... A thousand. She's, she's not she young. She doesn't look... She doesn't look... I mean, her, her mind is still there, and I actually have a lot of respect for her. I don't like the way she rules at all, but I really respect her. Her and her... The relationship between her and uh, Scalia is fantastic. I yeah, love that. They were actually very good friends. Good, very good friends. Yeah. Um, she was born in 1933. So that would make her 85. 
Well, she 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 doesn't look a day uh, right younger than eighty six. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, she, I mean, she just had a, a big documentary put out about yeah. it. Yeah, um, and she's right. kind of a become a a liberal lion. S. Uh, who's who would you compare her to? Because she she ha- she's almost like a um, Betty White. You know how like Betty White was always a popular. She was very accomplished yeah, in her yeah. job. Sure. And then all of a sudden she became this sort of like she hit her celebrity hit another crazy level, level yeah. and she's kind of just loved and respected. If, the left uh, loves her that way. I don't know if Ginsburg would appreciate the comparison, you know, to Betty White. Although I understand it, mm-hmm. maybe a little more gravitas. Uh, because of her position, but you ever, you, you ever, you ever seen Betty White before? Oh, no, no, apparently I love, not. I actually love Betty White. She's fantastic. All right, let me tell you about uh, Bitcoin, cryptos. Most of the feedback that we're getting back, uh, like ninety-seven percent of the people uh, who are curious about, you know, um, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and how to buy and sell. The the people who have gone to smartcryptocourse dot com, that's smartcryptocourse dot com, are telling us it is fantastic. Um, they're learning all kinds of stuff. It's an education source that you really need. Um, it was created for you uh, by a guy. We it was in really teaching Stu and I and showing us, you know, okay, guys, here, no, 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 that's not, no, that's not what that means. And about halfway through, I was like, would you do this for the audience? And so he has smartcryptocourse.com. You can take it now at 877-PBL-BECK. 97% are giving it four out of five star ratings uh, or four or five star ratings. 97%. Take it now. Learn all you need to know before you start either dismissing or investing in crypto. Smartcryptocourse.com. That's smartcryptocourse.com. Or you can call 877-PBL-BECK. 877-PBL-BECK or smartcryptocourse.com. Well, tonight at uh, 5 o'clock Eastern, you can join me in what uh, Shep Smith calls my doom room, uh, where uh, we're going to look at some of the some of the things that I said was uh, was coming our way and how it is all now starting to happen. And what does that mean? Uh, Taking a look back at the the long term uh, predictions uh, of what was what the West was going to go through. And how it's on top of us right now, and maybe people aren't really noticing what's happening, and they should. Tonight, 5 o'clock, only on theblaze.com slash TV. Glenn Beck. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. We welcome to the program the one, the only, Mr. Pat Gray. Hello, Pat. How are you? Hello, Glenn. I'm good. 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 Stu? Hi. I'm well. Thank you for asking, Pat. Mm-hmm. Good. You didn't ask. I, I didn't ask, oh, actually, yeah. but... I thought. So uh, what's on your mind today? Uh, I, I'm kind of impressed with the Supreme Court rulings. Two pretty good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a mystery to me why they don't specify more things, why they don't actually rule on on whether or not things are constitutional. They tend to rule on an ancillary issue. You know, that Well, that's what they try to do, though. I don't they, want they, them to. Let's definitively decide it. And the travel ban. I mean, can we now tell Democrats that's settled law, man? I don't even want to hear about that anymore. <laughs> that is settled law. Same with the uh, abortion thing. That the the ruling was that you don't have to tell them about uh, abortion as a possibility when 
uh, a mother is considering adoption? Wasn't that the yeah, gist yes. of it? You yes. can't force speech yeah. on professionals just because they're professionals. I mean, that's amazing. That's a, because because of the way all of be. these things have been going. No, it shouldn't be. Yeah. But uh, but how does that work with the with the kind of the fuzzy? Uh, you can uh, Colorado. It looks like Colorado just misbehaved and made it about religion. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe you can uh, force people to make a wedding cake. Well, that's a professional, too. And your art is your speech. Yeah, I think there's a lot of inconsistencies here. We mentioned yeah, the Obamacare one before and that where they did say, well, sure, it's not the tax and the fee. You know, it's not in the document, but, but we know what they meant. And therefore, now it's in the document. It's the exact opposite of what they're saying here. They're saying, you know, and again, this is Clarence Thomas writing it, so of course it's better. But, uh, you know, Thomas is saying, look, you can't, you, you, you can't do that. And in, in the travel ban uh, case, which, and the travel ban case, by the way, is Roberts, right? I think Roberts is the one who, who did the travel ban case. Mm-hmm. So again, like, which is yeah. bizarre. I mean, that was his, it was his, his ruling that said you can insert stuff into the bill if you really want to. You know, there's, the court. there's no set number of supreme court justices it doesn't have to be nine no don't no. don't it, don't it could be 12 or really? it could be one clarence thomas <laughs> why can't we just make him the supreme court it's a tad risky if he happens to uh, die at any point yeah, in the, the next hundred years idea just franklin a, <laughs> it's just a thought you know i mean and it was a thought that was tried by franklin roosevelt and everybody went crazy well, he just wanted to stack it with his people i'm yeah, just saying you one. just want to eliminate We're not stacking <laughs> anything. i'm just putting one guy well, right. in there from so, a percentage okay. standpoint you kind of are stacking it pat yeah. uh, so i tell you what pat we'll do that but we have to just draw blindly for the name that gets that one slot <laughs> mm, no no okay no. all right all right i think that's a good idea but it's uh, it's nice to have some sanity restored to the travel ban uh, discussion because, um, as you were saying earlier, the argument against it was that it was it was just like the Japanese internment camp. Yeah, yeah, it's um, a court pretty soundly rejected that not, argument. Except they're not citizens. Oh, and we're not putting them in prisons. <laughs> oh, and we didn't confiscate their property. Other than that, it is pretty exactly the same, the same thing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure George Takai would tell you that it's not, as he said uh, recently about uh, the what's happening on the border. He said in his he was he remembers being rounded up in an internment camp, and he was four. Yeah, and he said uh, I remember it, and it was horrible. But what's happening on the border now is worse than the Japanese internment camps. That's such a an asinine. That is, it's an insult. to the injury that was. The Japanese internment. Well, I mean, we did give him twenty grand, like thirty years later. So, oh, yeah, twenty thousand dollars. That's great. Changed oh, their whole uh, lives changed, and the lives oh, of yeah. their grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> Generations of people Imagine are still living on absolutely that. Absolutely everything, and yeah. then coming home and you don't have anything. You don't have anything. Your your land is sold, and you got nothing. I I, I wouldn't even know where to start, what to do. I wouldn't either. I mean, that had to devastate people. Can you imagine how hard it was to restart your life if the country, you know, had just deemed that you were a possible enemy Mm -hmm. and now you come back? How did you even start your life again? How how did you fit back into the community? Because they didn't give you anything to restart your life. No. Nothing. Hey, sorry you were here for, for the last four years. Oh, well. I mean, that's really what they got until, what was it, late 80s or early yeah. 90s when we finally 
compens- compensated the families $20,000 each. Uh, that would have been good at the time, you know, to help them get their stuff back. Or maybe you don't take their stuff in the first place. That might have been a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. No. Um, no. By the way, they kind of harken back to this era with the uh, the abortion ruling as well. And with Thomas writing in the majority, basically like you can't force professionals to say things just because they're professionals. We've noticed this in history. You know, kind of a guy named Adolf did this. Uh, kind of mm. made uh, doctors around the country come up with forced to kind of agree on a, a certain things like certain people were inferior, for example. Um, and he, he goes to the point of like, you can't, uh, government cannot gather a bunch of, a group of professionals and make them say things. Or do things, right? Uh, like in the case of the bakery, uh, all the bakers <laughs> yeah. shouldn't be forced to do that. And by the way, Thomas is very consistent. He, in yeah, his, he's probably he, one of the few that would be. In his concur. I mean, he's all, he's all he does what you want, Pat, which is, and I want as well, which is don't just try to make it this little tiny narrow thing. Say yeah. what the principle is right. when it applies. I mean, I, I'd rather have them keep this, the, the scope of these things narrow if it's not a larger principle, but with something like this, where it's like, okay, it's in the constitution written very clearly that you should have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. It's two parts of this very blatantly. You should be able to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, and that I think you should really, you should rule, uh, you know, in a more broad sense. It's like, you know, they say like, Oh, you know, there's a Roe versus Wade comes through. They're like, Oh, there's a right to privacy. So I guess, yes, forever. You can never challenge that ruling. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> How does this happen? Our, our rulings no. never get that sort of treatment. They're never treated like that. Well, it's, and it's a good thing. Otherwise, uh, the United States would still be living under the Democratic Jim Crow laws. <laughs> if you can't ever question the Supreme Court. You have to be able to. You have to yeah, be able to. Absolutely. And including this one, by the way, where yeah. they basically overturned the Japanese internment case. You have to be able to go back and say no. And at least now there's, a, there's an idea that if anyone ever tries this again, uh, I mean, I don't know how much value the Supreme Court has in that moment, but... I mean, at least there's some way to push back on it. The other thing that's pissed me off today is, oh, we're back to catch and release. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. What? Really? Well, yeah, we're completely out of room. Even though Obama had double the people detained? Well, yes, but there were much smaller people back then. and They fit in there a lot better. Uh, Do you know how big these people are? Some of them are 16, 17 feet tall. Weigh eight, nine hundred pounds. Really? We don't have space for them anymore. Yeah, they were like eight inches <laughs> yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah. People were eight Incredible. inches. They, they Remember what sh- it was like in 2010? Oh, yeah. You they didn't all even s- see some people. No, they all slept in shoeboxes. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. We had like a whole country full of Lilliputians yeah. uh, that were <laughs> yeah. detained. Uh, now you can't say that. These are normal and gigantic people. Yeah. You don't hear us use the words little mm. people anymore. Little people, mm-hmm. midgets, little people. You don't hear even little people anymore, and that no. was the politically. It's just Mexicans. Now. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's, that's what's, now that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Except they're not anymore. Not Those anymore. Are, they not grew. Anymore. You don't call them. Yeah. You don't call them. You know, little people or little people Mexicans now. Because no, they're giants. In the last two years, they've gotten extremely big down there. I, I don't know what it is. It must be something in the water. <laughs> so, Which is why they tell us not to drink not to it. Drink it. That's so right. what? Are, what? Are, what? <laughs> so are we now for catch and release? Because I'm trying to keep up. 
Uh, if, if you're on the conservative side, are you now? Oh, that is such a good question. Yeah. That's going to oh. be fascinating to hear today. I bet you've been just, because I know I filled in for Pat uh, last week and was just berated with calls of people really angry that the, you know, mm. that there was kind of a turn back to a more lenient immigration policy. People really upset about it. Oh, yeah. They were just infuriated right. by. I bet they weren't. The, what? I, I did get one call. <laughs> I got it, one call. I, I got a lot of calls. I got one call who actually said, "You know what? I'm kind of annoyed. We had a tough border policy. We've just we just put we just turned it around based on media pressure. Isn't that a problem?" I got one call. One call about that. I was fascinated to see if people would call because I know in a, in a in a parallel universe somewhere there's a guy doing a radio talk show and he's getting berated by calls that a Republican president has turned back from a tough border policy to a much more lenient one based on media pressure. That's mm-hmm. happening somewhere in the ether. Not here. We've not had many calls about that. That's at a place called 2006. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. Certainly if Mitch McConnell Mm -hmm. did it, we'd be getting calls. George Bush. George Bush. We got calls all the time about George Bush. George Bush was a globalist. That might just be people are, you know, more like, for example, you know, and there's some evidence here, right? Like we just talked about two great Supreme Court uh, decisions that theoretically, if, you know, if McConnell didn't uh hold up the you know merrick garland uh uh, nomination from obama and then wound up getting a republican president and then trump naming a very good justice seemingly in 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 gorsuch who's been very solid so far if those three things didn't happen uh you would have uh, potentially it could have got these both of these rulings could have gone the other way and so maybe you're just willing to kind of overlook that stuff yeah no i mean i i think we have to be able to get to a place to where we we don't overlook it but doesn't mean we don't accept it doesn't mean we're like okay you know what i got this this and this which i never thought i would get i will i'll tolerate this uh because it is about compromise you're never going to get everything that you want Mm -hmm. um however that's not the way it's going though it's not the way it is it's Mm -hmm. it's i'm i'm thrilled with this this is the that's the policy we're actually working for the whole time what I mean, you have to at least yeah. be consistent because there's Wait, no you love catch and release that you hated under Obama. You love that now. I mean, and, that's, that's the way it goes. Too. Too. I mean, you know, Sam Alito is a pretty good justice, too. And George Bush never got the, you know, oh, well, yeah, but he gave us Alito. We never got those calls. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we ever got and, a call that said, oh, they gave us Alito. Alito's been fantastic. And conservatives yeah, but, didn't side with Bush when he was weak on immigration yeah, but back here's, then. But here's the thing. Uh, uh, let me just point out before I go into this. Um, remember, this is the one thing that everybody called during the election. And we said, okay, what is the one thing? Is there anything? Mm-hmm. And what is we there heard anything? was immigration. Immigration. If he mm-hmm. backs off of immigration. But I don't think that's true anymore. I just don't think anybody's going to care. I think that's true. I mean, I think that's at least partially because something you've explained uh, and uh, illustrated by putting on the hat, right? Mm -hmm. In that, like, the media is so ridiculous against Trump that it's almost hard to, you know, for a lot of people to get on the bandwagon of any criticism of him because you feel like he's had an unfair shake. Though I will say, the media was really bad on George W. Bush, too. This is not a new thing for for Republican presidents. No, but you you now have it's more you have fifteen years behind that. You yeah, know what I mean we've been doing this yeah. for eighteen years now. Listen to this. Remember my mm-hmm. my the reason why I put on that red hat was to show, say to the media, you're driving people into his arms. You're just driving them because yeah, well. if you can get me to feel bad for this guy <laughs> and feel like he's being picked mm-hmm. on, if you can get me to do that, right? You're gonna you're you you're gonna lose everything. You're so far off the track. 
here's the here's the latest Gallup polls. Gallup uh, has Trump's approval at a new high since the beginning of his presidency. Forty five percent. That's the same as others at the same point. Barack Obama, 46. Bill Clinton, 46. Ronald Reagan, 45. Jimmy Carter, 43. Support among Republicans is at 90 percent. Among independents, he's up to 42% tied for his personal best and the only uh, and only the fourth week in his presidency that he has been over 40%. Trump's attacks on uh, Mueller are working. Special counsel now has a 53% unfavorable uh, uh, rating uh, and a new high, a whopping 26-point spike since uh, 2016. Trump thinks he has the winning, winning formula, and he may be right. The more he trashes Mueller, the more he trashes the media, and then the media trashes him, the more Republicans want to see, save his back. And the more casual viewers see everything, like the Russia uh, probe, as messy and muddy, but they don't see Trump as messy and muddy. We're growing more and more tribal. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was trying. I wanted to explain to uh, to Brian Seth, uh, Selter, but they don't want to hear it. But they are truly responsible for the poll numbers with Donald Trump going up. Yep. Thanks, Pat. Pat Gray, Radio Roundup. Pat and his orchestra and the Singing Cowboys uh, are on with him today. You don't want to miss the Singing Cowboys. I believe that's in hour number two, right? Hour number oh, three, to hour the three. Make- singing cowboys and the magic lasso. It's something that you, well, I'd say you want to see it. Well, you can see it. It's on uh, TV, on the Blaze TV or on uh, Blaze Radio. Just uh, stream it now. All right, let me tell you about uh, Goldline. They've got this great new product out. We started telling you about yesterday. Remember when I said, you know, I really think that we should have gold that you could, um, you could keep like a, uh, you know, in your pocket, like a credit card and. And, you know, if something, God forbid, melted down, you'd have it. Well, the Canadian Mint made it. Uh, and it was a huge seller for, uh, for a long time with Goldline. But the problem is gold is pricey. And so when you're looking at, when you're looking at uh, gold, uh, you know, how do you break it up in small enough usable amounts? Well, Canada has just made for Goldline, they're the only ones that have it, the new Maple Flex Bar. It is comprised of 19 individual bars that make up two ounces of silver. And the design makes it possible for you to break off a smaller bullion coin and keep the bar whole for a larger investment bar, making it ideal. This is for barter or a crisis situation. It has 10 120 ounce bars, five one tenth of an ounce bar, four one quarter ounce bars. Each bar legal tender guaranteed for its weight by the Royal Canadian Mint. I mean, they really look like. I mean, you know, it looks like a quarter or something, but it's just it's a square and it's pure silver. The Maple Flex can be included in your precious metals IRA and uh, they're fantastic. You can get them now. uh, Free shipping, same price for credit card, check or bank wire. Qualifying orders can also take advantage of the price shield uh, program. Go there now. One eight six six gold line. Now is the time to own gold or silver. One eight six six gold line or goldline.com. Glenn back. You don't want to miss a really good episode tonight at uh, five o'clock on the blaze.com slash TV of not only my show, but immediately following my show is the news and why it matters. Really important, entertaining and fun 
uh, show to watch to get your news digest. Only on theblaze.com slash TV. Glenn Beck. Mercury. 